for me. Good morning. All right, so it's a, it's a Sunday after 4th of July, so it's the few and the proud, but I'm thankful you were here, um, and I'm even more thankful that y'all sit symmetrically, uh, so it has a better feel to it, honestly, it has, um, yeah, it has, a, it has a good feel, so I hope that your 4th of July treated you well, I hope you had some time just with your family, I, had, I hope you had some time to kind of reflect on what 4th of July is, and what it means to us just to have a nation that we are able to worship in freely. Uh, a nation that we're able to um, just uh, be the men and women that God has called us to be if, if we so choose to dedicate our life to that manner. We have the freedoms um, that were in no way free. So I think it's always good for us as believers, as people who meet corporately uh, in those freedoms and live our lives in accordance to Scripture in those freedoms to reflect and say, hey, these freedoms um, came at a price. Uh, it came at a, a, a price of a lot uh, of men and women's lives in, in our military and our law enforcement, and I'm thankful for that. Today's also um, a pretty important day in the history of Dallas. So uh, I don't know where you found yourself three uh, years ago, but July 7th, 2016 was a really sad day in the life of our country. It was a really uh, sad day in the life of Dallas. It was the most deadly attack on law enforcement in the history of the United States. We lost five uh, police officers uh, in in a span of seconds in downtown Dallas um, as they were uh, protecting a, a march. Um, and I remember me and Joe were talking about it uh, last night um, because it's, it's crazy how time uh, is really unforgiving. I think one of the saddest things that I deal with in my profession is time. Like time moves moves forward, and it, it, time has a way of healing, but it also has a way of us forgetting. Things become a little less raw, and they become a little less important. And I pray that we never forget um, July seventh. Uh, I remember uh, we were sitting in our. Uh, we were talking last night that we were sitting in our den in almost identical spots. Uh, when I got a text and it said, hey, turn on the TV, uh, and turn on the TV in just complete unbelief of just what was happening and unfolding before our eyes, uh, where it was one officer's been killed, two officers been killed, three officers been killed, four officers been killed, five officers been killed, and just this unknown, like, is this an orchestrated thing? Uh, what lays the day, what lays ahead of us the days before? And not quick, uh, not too long after the, uh, the shock, uh, set in, uh, phone continued to go off and it was time to get to work through those times. So uh, enough of my tangent and enough of the 4th of July, July 7th, but I want us to always be a church that doesn't just forget things or move past things, or for that matter, to be scared of stepping into that space. I know we live in a nation right now or a time that depending on what you say and when you say it, you, you could get a, a decent amount of criticism and be judged or, or labeled. And I, I want us to always stand in truth and be on the right side. And the, the right side is, is sometimes uh, objective uh, depending on who is saying it. But when we align ourselves with the word of God, we can speak truth boldly without fear of repercussion. Uh, and that's where I want us to find ourselves today. Today we're going to be in Matthews 13, 10 through 17. Um, we are going to start our series in, in, the, in the look of, of the parables. We're going to work in the next nine weeks. Uh, we're going to look at um, eight separate parables. Today we're going to talk about what, what parables are, why, why Christ taught through parables. And in the next eight weeks, um, we are going to... Uh, we are going to work through just some eight parables we selected uh, and, and try to see what, what we can pour, uh, pull from them, what the Spirit can pour 
over us. Um, we just closed out our, our series on prayer. Uh, we closed out our series on prayer and ended it with a night of prayer last Sunday night. And I'll be honest with you, I was completely fearful what last Sunday night was going to be because I've been in church work long enough that if you have a night of prayer, sometimes it's just you and the staff praying with each other because people are so fearful of praying out loud or, or what a night of prayer could mean. Uh, but in all uh, uh, faithfulness and, and just uh, unexpected uh, but beautiful. It, we came together as a church. It was really a beautiful thing just to see what God was doing with people, what what had God had laid on people's hearts, and how um, they prayed to their God, and how it was so um, rejuvenating and such a refuge just to come together and, and pray shoulder to shoulder with people that we love and people that we do life with. So we've closed out that series of prayer. We are starting the series on parables, and that's always a beautiful thing when you transition, especially in the life of a very young church, because each each series you're allowed to study, each series you're allowed to teach and hear and learn from it is really a gift from God. Uh, it's saying, hey, we are extending your journey as a church, and we're going to continue to extend your journey as a church as long as you stay faithful to the Word of God and stay faithful to His teachings. But without any further rambling, let's dive into what parables are. So parables are defined as a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And that's really what Christ does all throughout his adult ministry. Christ um, is, is the consummate teacher. He's teaching at every moment. He's either teaching his disciples or he's teaching the masses. But either way you look at it, he is teaching uh, the gospel of Christ. He's teaching what he is there to. He's trying to reorient messianic expectation. He's trying to say, hey, this is really what the true gospel is. This is what the new covenant is going to look like. This is what, what, what faith uh, uh, can give you in, in the Messiah. The promised king is coming. I am here. And he does that through parables. And he tries to get people from where they are to where they need to be through teaching and understanding. The next nine weeks, we're going to go over the Good Samaritan, the Ten Talents, the Pharisees and the tax collector, the speck and the log, the hidden treasure, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. And all of those are really interesting stories that probably we know, but they all have an intrinsic value of knowledge. Um, the Good Samaritan is how to love others. Ten talents is what is stewardship. The, the Pharisees and the tax collector is what radical faith actually looks like. The speck and the log is what it looks like and what it is to judge others. Hidden treasure is gospel faith viewed as a treasure that must be guarded and given. Lost sheep is about a faithful father. The prodigal son is about a forgiving father. All of those things we desperately need. We're going to look at why Christ spoke in parables, and we're going to see why we still need those understandings today. Those stories were extremely applicable when they were taught to their first generation learner, that the disciples and the masses that Christ taught to. But the beauty of uh, the scripture and the beauty of it being uh, breathed out by God is everything is just as applicable in 2019 as it was when it came out of Christ's mouth. So if you would stand with me as we, we dive in, we're going to, again, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10 through 17. I'm going to read it out loud. It's going to be up behind us, and there should be a Bible around you if you do not have one. Whew. Verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, uh, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to one who has, more will be given, and to those who will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their cases, the prophecy of Isaiah has been fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people to heart has grown dull. 
and their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and with their ears uh, and understand with their hearts, and turn and I will heal them. Amen. If you will be seated, we pray over us, and then we're going to dive in. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your teaching. Thank you for the spirit that moves through those things that we may understand your way and understand your will, that we may say yes to your calling, that we may take a step forward in understanding, that we may under, we may see and that we may hear what you have put on us, that we may faithfully serve your cause, your glory, and your way. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, so let's dive in, because um, I think this is a really good passage to start with. One, it explains why the parables, but it also gets us on a baseline of understanding that the disciples were going through the same things uh, that we do. If you read through the Gospels, if you read through um, the teachings of Christ, um, you're going to see a continuation, a, a consistent theme of Christ's teaching and using parables to do so. Um, it was a beautiful thing about a year ago, I guess, I don't know exactly, but we worked through the, the, the Gospel of Mark. We ended about a year ago. It took us about 18 months to move through the entire Gospel of Mark. And, and one of the things that you can lose sight of unless you work through the Gospel slowly and exegetically and methodically is that all Christ did was teach. He taught, he taught, he taught, he loved, he taught. He taught because he wanted people to understand. So uh, Sunday school started downstairs. That always throws me off, and I feel like we're under attack. And I'm like, ah, something's happening. But I think, hey, it's just old school. Um, so um, let me dive in. We're going to dive in and pull out some of the stuff that I wanted us to camp out on, and then we're going to see how we can apply this um, to our life. So we see um, the disciples come to Christ and say, um, why do you speak in parables? And I've done this a lot. I've done this um, um, from a, a place of misunderstanding or a place of just trying to like get to the point. I'm very much a just the facts. I like I like efficiency. I like um, the ability to like to not waste steps. And the Christ and, and the disciples are pretty much coming to Christ and say, why don't you just spell it out? Like, you're telling a lot of stories about a lot of things. Um, as we see right now, he had just told them a parable about, uh, about the sower. So uh, the sower who had laid seed on different kinds of soil, and depending on what kind of soil those seeds fell on, uh, really affected what happened with those plants and what happened to those seeds. And it's a metaphor that he later explains that that soil is actually a metaphor for the human heart, and depending on where our heart is, that will affect how the seed of the gospel is planted. But if, if you are a, a fisherman, and, and you're following Christ, and you don't know much about sowing, you're thinking, I don't understand um, uh, botany, I don't understand farming, and that's where I find myself. I've planted nothing. If you give me a plant, I will say thank you. Me and my wife will systematically kill that plant, but we are thankful for your gifts. Um, I don't understand soil. I mean, I understand, and honestly, the only thing I do understand about soil comes from this passage about good soil, good plants, bad soil, bad plants, and I can track with that, but what the disciples are coming and saying are, why don't you just do something amazing? Like just, I mean, complete levitation. Why don't you get that party raging again? Let's do all that wine into water and then say, I'm the Messiah. And then just do something even crazier, some kind of spiritual fireworks. Let's do a backflip. Let's get the lasers going, smoke, fog, everything going. And then constantly just say, I'm Jesus Christ. I'm Jesus Christ. I'm the promised Messiah. Oh, you want to see more levitation? Boom. That's what they want to see, right? They want pomp and circumstance. They want the king that's promised. They want a, a person riding in on a white horse with a sword toppling Rome and they want the nation of Israel back into the province of David they want back in the, the wealth of Solomon they want all these things for their nation they're very nationalistic they say the nation of Israel it is time to party if you're our Messiah you're our king let's go 
to war with Rome, and we want to do it with your powers. And to me, that makes sense, because I'm as dumb as broken as Israel. Because I think, if you went up to somebody and said, I'm the Messiah, and they said, no you're not, and then you say, well then why am I flying around? They're a lot more um, uh, apt to believe you're a Messiah. But what Christ knew, and what Christ knows, is that that will only work as long as you're flying around. And the second you land, you have an unbelieving, hard heart person that's going to say, do another backflip. The reasons I don't do backflips other than gravity and ability is because if I came in and started doing backflips and we had a fog machine, you'd be like, man, Tim really brings it. He's charismatic. And I could fake it. I could fake it from 9 to 10 probably for the rest of our life. But the second you got used to that, you want more fog and you want two backflips. And I can't even do one. And if the fog machine breaks, we're screwed. I don't think you're supposed to say that. We can edit podcasts, but the rest of y'all just got shh. No one likes to snitch. Um, but you know what I'm saying? So there, there's this yearning for the disciples to say, just get to the point. Like, we know you're Messiah. We believe. There's some people that are kind of on the edge. If you maybe just parted the Red Sea one more time, these people that are kind of teeter-tottering will, will, uh, will kind of come over to your camp, and we can start this revolution. But the answer is, he already parted the sea. The people that saw that, once they, the sea went back and another generation came, they didn't really care about the parting of the sea. They didn't care about the manna. They didn't care about the smoke and the pillar of light and all that happening. Because pomp and circumstance doesn't work. Faithful dedication and service to the understanding of the gospel of Christ works. It's a seed that's planted in good soil, and once you nurture it, it becomes a seed that will turn this world upside down. Because the 12 men and women and the disciples that surrounded those apostles that actually understood, actually believed, and were taught by Christ, spread the gospel to the point that we, non-Jews, are now worshiping Christ Jesus. So what was planted over there, slowly and methodically, actually came to fruition because of faith and understanding, Right? Christ knew that through faith and understanding, we will turn this world upside down for Christ. But if I constantly rely on the fact that I can turn water to wine, at some point the party's going to end and you're going to be left wanting more. And it's a beautiful thing to understand and it's really hard to live out. As we see, we move forward and he says, y'all have the secrets of the kingdom of earth. So it means you have the faith of understanding. But here's what we have to know. These are really hard to swallow is faith is a gift from God. Faith and belief in Jesus Christ is absolutely a gift from God that was bestowed to the disciples, and they believed. And he says, those who have faith, faith will abound, and those who don't have faith will become hardened of heart. And and faith leads to more faith, hardened heart leads to a harder heart, and eternity hangs in the balance, and that's really hard to stomach, and that's really hard to hear, so that's why we have to get to work. And again, he says, you are unbelievers because there's people out there that see. They see Jesus Christ. There are tons of people who actually heard the words of Christ, saw his miracle, and turned from him. You see, but you don't actually see. You hear his words, but you don't understand. Then he goes back and he references Isaiah 6 and says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. Again, I'm going to say it again. You will hear, but never understand. And you will perceive, but you will see, but never perceive. And then the next verse is actually something that you almost think is completely driven out for the American Christian, where it says, For the hearts of the people, or the people's hearts, have grown dull. And that's what we are in America. A lot of times, we just want our pastor, me, to do one more backflip. Uh, I feel like I'm putting out an expectation that will, and I promise you this, never get met. Um, we want, um, we want, 
the, the quick fix. We want the, the wow and the awe and, and the pomp and the circumstance. And, and all of that or lack of that has made, made our hearts grow dull, make our hearts grow numb. And he's talking about because you see and you don't understand, because you hear and you, you never actually uh, let it lock in and become knowledge. All of what we're saying, all of this book, all of these songs are white noise in your life on a road uh, to eternal damnation. Like that's, that's what he's saying. He's saying if, if you sing beautifully to Christ Jesus and you study your word daily, but you never actually understand what he's talking about, then you're just going through the motions, right? You're, exact, you're doing exactly what Satan wants you to do. Satan doesn't mind if you're in your Bible every single day as long as you never understand and you never apply. Because he just got you reading a book for academic sake. Christ, Satan doesn't care if you sing whatever uh, Elevation puts out there, whatever the Shanes put out there, whatever Bethel puts out there. He doesn't care how beautifully you sing it or how even beautiful you understand the words. But if you never actually open your heart up for the spirit of worship and you never actually apply and believe the words you're singing out there, he, he has you just moving your mouth. And, and, and what's beautiful about the teachings of Christ is he's so patient. He taught for three years. He saw more people turn from him than come to him. And it never discouraged him to the point of stopping. It broke his heart. He weeped. He weeped blood for the sake of the fact that he knew um, that there were going to be so many people that need him that will never have him because of the lack of understanding. When we work through um, the parables and it ends and it says, But you have been blessed. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people have longed to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So what he's saying is, I'm the Messiah in living flesh. I am, I am the promised king. And there have been many a faithful men and women that have yearned to see this day, this day come to fruition and never saw it. Their faith never shook. Their, their understanding of what they're called never, never went away. But they longed for this day in present stance to say, I'm seeing the promised son. I'm seeing a triune God before. I'm seeing the perfect lamb before my eyes. And that just goes back to faithfulness, right? Because you see, you see Moses, uh, a pillar of faithfulness, right? A pillar of, of what it looks like to follow God's will, even though if it's really hard, never actually went into Canaan. You see, you see um, uh, Abraham, we just got done studying Genesis. We see Abraham being faithful um, to God's calling and understanding um, and probably not fully understanding what was going to come from his lineage but understanding through that lineage the world would be saved but he never actually saw the nation of Israel um, he's talking about the people who actually longed for this day and we are those people no we never saw Christ uh, um, in, in living flesh on this earth but we have the totality of scripture we have the Holy Spirit that comes alongside us walks through us and prays for us in a groaning and utterance too deep for words we have the spirit that is the consummate helper. We have the scriptures. We know how the story ends. There were men and women that came way before us that had no clue in the written word how this story would end. They knew their faithful king would return, and that's all that mattered. So that's why Christ taught in parables. Christ taught in parables because he knew that the, the key to faith is understanding, and he was leading a horse to water. He knew that if he just said some crazy stuff and then did some crazy things, that that would only be momentary. But after that generation forgot the crazy things, that we would all be lost. He'd seen it time and time again in the nation of Israel. 
We have Christ standing right before people, telling and professing the gospel of Christ, and those same people later crucified him because they saw but never perceived, they heard but never understood, and America does the same thing. We have the totality of Scripture. We have, we have beautiful worship songs. We have community. We have all of these things that are utter gifts from God. And we don't crucify Christ. We just forsake Him. We, we say, yes, I understand what you're talking about when you say church. I understand um, there is a Bible. Um, and I know what worship sounds like as far as corporately. But it, none of it resonates in my soul. None of it affects my heart. Um, none of it actually uh, intrinsically comes into who I am and alters what I do. And that, that's the, the most dangerous part uh, of, of Christ's teaching and why you see so many people in, in the Gospels break your heart when they, when they don't latch into the real belief and the faith and the grace of Christ Jesus and they just kind of go about the motions and then fall by the wayside. If we forsake his teachings, if we don't understand his teachings, we become dull and numb, and we ultimately forsake Christ. That's why we're landing on parables, because it is vital for us to understand the Bible is, is a teaching tool that we must use and apply for us to live out our lives in accordance to Christ. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, and correction, and for training in righteousness. That, we, uh, that the men of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. We have to say that and believe it. We have to actually say this is our compass. There are going to be times in our lives that we don't understand which way is north. We don't understand where we should go next. But I promise you this, this, this Bible, this, this work of Christ, this work of the Spirit of the Triune God will absolutely show you the way, either through a teaching, a parable, a scripture, a psalm, a Pauline writing, whatever um, the Spirit is going to use to get you where you need to be is going to be through this word, through this scripture, and through communion with our Savior. So between uh, prayer and the Word of God, that is our compass, that is our teaching, that is what we have to learn and how we are going to apply um, what Christ has called us to do. And it's really important in 2019 to be confident in Scripture, to be confident in, in the teachings of Christ, because if you are not confident uh, in, in Scripture or in the teachings of Christ, um, you are really going to be a slave to whatever sounds good. That, that's a really butchered quote from Matt Chandler, but I think I got most of that right. But if, if you are just uh, all about what sounds good or what sounds right, you're going to be ultimately in, in opposition of this word. Because if American culture has taught us anything, it is just because it is popular and just because it is trending does not mean it is right. And in this day and age, there's a really good chance if it is trending and is, is popular, we need to actually bring it back to the word of God. And if it doesn't match this, then it is in opposition of it. And that's hard for us to say, because there is a lot of well-meaning people right now um, that say a lot of stupid things. Like, you get on Twitter, if you ever think, like, I'm not sure if sin nature is real, get in the comment section of Twitter, because it's going to eat you alive. There are some people who are professing to be born-again Christians that are spewing crap. And the only way we can actually refute that is to be confident in the truth. Be confident in the teachings of Christ. Be confident in the Word. Because if we stand firm in truth, um, and, and within love, I'm not saying get in the comment section and battle it out. 
that's not where like I think understanding is going to happen. Um, more of like, hey, come alongside somebody, love on them, pray for them, and show them the truth through Scripture. That's what I'm talking about. But if we can't do that, we ultimately can't be faithful to God's Word. Because uh, we talked about this uh, at length in men's Bible study this morning, is that we, we have been called to dive into this Word. All of it is profitable. We have been called to live our lives in accordance to the Scriptures. We have been called to pray and commune with our triune God. We have been called to do all of those things. And I love when people dive into Scripture, and I love when people get yeah, the, the ESV Study Bible is, is a great um, Resource. We get no um, kickbacks from the ESD Study Bible, but if you ask a staff member at Trinity Church where you should start, that's where we're going to point you because it's, it's, it's such a, a, a beautiful and yet simple uh, resource to point you to biblical truth. And I love when people dive in to their faith and understand their faith and, and read books about their faith and so on and so forth. But if you just read the books and just read Scripture and just go along in the motions but never actually understand it, profess it, and live it, you're just an academic Christian. That's exactly where Satan wants you. Satan wants you reading your Bible but never understanding. Uh, Satan wants you living your life out as a professed Christian but never actually doing anything a Christian is called to do. Teaching is a cycle. Christ taught so others would teach, and that's the same mantra for us. Because knowledge for the sake of knowledge is the way of the world. But for us to learn our faith so we can share our faith is the calling of God. We, we are called to a life of prayer, a life of study of the word, and then you have to find someone and tell them about Jesus, and then you just repeat. And I hope um, that for the next few weeks, I hope for every time we ever dawn... Uh, our time in corporate scripture that we are always filling each other with word and praise and worship um, but for the next eight weeks we have specifically uh, set aside time that we're just going to learn application and teaching hoping that those those teachings and those applications that Christ lays out in parables directly correlates to your Monday morning directly correlates to what you need to do because God has put someone in your life that needs the teachings of Christ and there's a really good chance you're the only way that person's getting it and I know that's really scary but that's that's the game you signed up for. We also said this morning um, that we have to fight comfort. We have to fight the comfort of just, you know what, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to sing my words on Sunday morning, I'm going to let them resonate for myself, and it's going to rejuvenate me until next Sunday morning, and Sunday to Sunday I'm telling no one about Jesus, but man do I love studying the Word of God, and man do I love singing on Sunday mornings at 10, and I'm just going to repeat that until God calls me home. That's not Christianity. Again, that is where Satan wants you. Satan wants you, if he's already lost the battle for your soul, then he wants to keep your secret inside. He wants you to, to live a life of, of a hermit Christian, which means I'm going to know what I need to know for my own personal salvation, but I'm going to do nothing to bring the lost to the kingdom of God. And that's a sad, sad life. Because um, there is a, um, just a complete lie that's out there in Christianity that says there is nowhere safer than in the will of God. Right? Who has heard that? Show of hands. Everyone? No one? Just Megan. Okay. Thanks, Megan. She gets paid to be here. Does not count. Um, uh, there's nowhere safer in the will of God. And, and I'm not talking about eternal um, security of salvation. Yes, you, your, your salvation is secure uh, by grace through faith, Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how you live your life. 
in the application of God's Word, how you live your life in accordance to Scripture. It, the idea that there is nowhere safer than the will of God is a complete lie spewed out by Satan. You show me the person who's safe in this book because he was inside the will of God. Inside the will of God is a dangerous place to be, but it is a beautiful place to be. It is a place where God calls you to do epic things through the Spirit. It's a place where God says, your weakness is my strength. It's a place where you see mountains moved. You see people come to their Savior. You see the lost at the throne of Christ. It's a beautifully dangerous place to be inside the will of God. And I pray we all find ourselves there. It's been a, a, especially uh, uh, a great honor just to stand before you today and, and say this is the application of Christ. And I pray that we find it and that we use it and that we bring the lost to his throne. We're going to continue, and we're going to sing one more song. Let me pray over us as, as uh, Adrian and Kelsey get after it. God, thank you for your teachings. God, I pray that they wouldn't just be academic. I pray that we would, we would see and perceive, that we would hear and understand, that, that this would not just be lip service, this would not just be a book, these would not just be songs, but that these would be uh, just windows and, and opportunities into your knowledge for your will. God, everything we do is to bring glory to your name. I pray that we never lose sight of what you have called us to and what you have called us to do. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.